1: Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of skincare when you are pregnant or if you are breastfeeding. So this is a topic that I've heard a lot of students ask me about. And to be honest, it is not my forte. Yes, I have a cabinet full of scrubs and serums and all sorts of lotions and potions, but it is not my forte. So to have this conversation, I have Dr. Marissa Gershik. She is a board-certified dermatologist in New York City practicing at MDCS, the Medical Dermatology and Cosmetic Surgery Center, and is a clinical assistant professor of dermatology at New York Presbyterian Weill Cornell Medicine. So Marissa, Marissa and I met, I'd say maybe about two months ago, we were both panelists for uh, Mommy Mingle's conversation and people were just flocking to her asking questions about skincare. And between that and people asking me, I thought, let's dive into this. So Marissa gives so much wonderful information about what you should or shouldn't use. Is there anything you should skip when you're pregnant? What does it mean to have an all natural product? Do we want that? Do we not want that? What do we do about acne or unwanted hair growth? Oh, Marissa gives some fantastic information. I think you're very much going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, just some exciting news to share the studio is really starting to blossom open, so we've already added some in-person classes, some morning and evening classes, and we're going to just keep mindfully adding back in the classes as our in-person community grows. Also, as of September, our workshops are going to be back in person, but if you're thinking, oh, I wanted to do some and I'm, it's past September that I'm going to be having my baby, what am I going to do? I can't take the classes in New York. We're going to have these classes well on demand, the workshops like the childbirth ed and the caring for new. Newborn, the infant safety CPR. We're going to continue our pre and postnatal classes, though, online. So, even though they're in the studio live, some are being live streamed and hybrid from the studio, and some are staying just online for that online community. So, we've opened these doors. We have this beautiful, thriving community, and we're going to continue to honor that and continue to watch it flourish. Also, I've had people ask about what to do between classes when they're a little achy and and have some pains. So I created a free downloadable. It is called the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And you can grab that on our website. So if you want your little cheat sheet of, okay, my back hurts, my neck hurts, my hamstrings are tight, my hips hurt, I got you covered. You can grab that from our website. I also have a favor to ask. If you are enjoying this podcast, which I truly hope you are, I will ask you if you can take a moment and head over to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this from and leave a rating and review. It helps people find us. And so hopefully this information that you're enjoying can then be heard by others. All right. My last thing, I promise. I promise. Just a reminder for those that are interested in our 85-hour online teacher training... It is going to happen online for September and October, that's our early training, and then November and December for our late training. And then we're back in person for those. I'm incredibly excited about both the opportunity to work with people online because we can reach a broader audience. We actually have someone from Spain signed up for the September, October. How amazing is that? But then we'll be back in person for 2022. Yay. All right, we're gonna take a super quick break. When we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Marissa Garshak.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com.
1: Hi, Marissa, how are you?
0: Hi, good. Thanks so
1: much for having me. I have to. So, when we did that, I think it was a mommy mingles conversation together. All the questions were about skincare and I'm thinking we need to have a deeper conversation. Clearly people have concerns and are curious about when they're pregnant and postpartum, what should they do? What can they put on their skin? So I am so excited. So thank you for your time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, skincare is definitely
2: an area in the context of pregnancy and postpartum that there's a lot of information to sift through. So
1: excited to go through that. Perfect. All right. So before we dive into that, I would love to hear a little bit about you and what drew you to becoming a dermatologist.
2: So yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a board-certified dermatologist, and my name is Marissa Garshik, and I'm a board-certified dermatologist in a private practice in New York City uh, located in Midtown East and Upper East Side. Um, I'm also a assistant clinical professor of dermatology at Cornell, where I also teach the residents there. Uh, in my practice, I see people of all ages, children, all to parents, grandparents, all generations, and love doing general dermatology, cosmetic dermatology, as well as surgical dermatology. And my personal interest in dermatology really came from my own sort of dealings with acne growing up as a, as a teenager. And then as I got to understand the field a bit better, just realizing the impact uh, the skin has on the way people feel about themselves, as mm-hmm. it did for me, and being able to help people support them through that process of achieving skin that helps them both feel and look good um, has been sort of the main driver. And then the bonus is that there's so much variety. So in a given day, I can treat, do procedures, I can treat with medications, I can make something go away very quickly. And I can also sort of have the challenges that come with long-term care and, and sort of working towards a, a long-term goal. So all in all, I can feel very fortunate to be able to say that I love what I do each day and love getting the opportunity to help people with their skin.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the skin is the first thing people see. And I, as I was talking about, as we were talking before we started, I never had a huge acne problem, but I can, I, my brother did. And I know that it really kind of emotionally held him back. So I can understand if your skin's not feeling great, how you want to hide yourself and then your personality can kind of get dwindled a little. So I love that you help people. So thank you for that. So let's dive into skincare with pregnancy and postpartum. Oh my goodness. Until I was working with pregnant people and then became pregnant myself, I didn't really think about their stuff that you should or shouldn't put on your skin. I don't think it's, a, you know, the average person thinks about that. So let's dive into what is safe to use during pregnancy and then also what should people skip when they're pregnant? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I totally agree. And I think it's definitely overlooked because a lot of the things for our skin are available at the drugstore or at a local convenience store. And so you just assume that if it's available so easily, it must be safe in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as far as things that are safe and you should definitely continue with, um, certainly cleansers. So gentle cleansers, moisturizers, Sunscreens, Um, the caveat with sunscreen is I do usually recommend mineral-based sunscreens for those um, who are pregnant and postpartum. Mineral sunscreens are sunscreens containing either zinc oxide or titanium dioxide which as are as opposed to the chemical filters, which you may see in ingredients known as um, avobenzone or octisalate, And so you want to avoid the chemical filters. It's thought that the mineral blockers actually just sort of sit and form a shield on the surface of the skin. And so they're generally less irritating on the skin. Um, and so for, especially for those who have sensitive skin, we always recommend it, but that's also what you're going to use for babies. So we always say if it's safe enough for a baby, then it's safe enough for, for the mom. Um, so mineral skin, um, sunscreens is, is what you're going to want to look for. Say it again Um, of what
1: you don't want. Cause I want to make sure people have a moment to even write that down or just kind of grasp it. Cause the, the ones that you're talking about are, um, kind of the, the, the white thick ones, like the zinc, is that correct? Exactly. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because historically,
2: mineral blockers, which are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, um, historically were the ones that people thought of as like the lifeguard with the <laughs> thick white coat on the nose. So, so that's definitely in, imprinted in everybody's memory. And they're like, oh my goodness, that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm Already dealing with other issues of pregnancy, now we have to walk around looking like like the white ghost um, and so what 's great is many companies have designed mineral sunscreens that go on easily, absorb easily, and have tinted formulations, which we 'll get into why it 's also helpful in the setting of pregnancy, but for people who actually suffer during pregnancy of a condition like hyperpigmentation or melasma, Mm -hmm. wearing a tinted sunscreen can actually provide additional benefit. Um, and so as far as the sunscreen key ingredients, zinc oxide, titanium dioxide, and then plus minus a tint will give you sort of full great protection. Um, and so again, lots of great brands making thin, lightweight, absorb, let easy-to-absorb um, products there. So some of my favorites include a brand La Roche-Posay, which you can get at the drugstore. Um, another brand, Elta MD, is also wonderful. The key really is just looking at the back of the product and just seeing if those two main ingredients are the zinc oxide or titanium dioxide.
1: And then what are some of the ones to stay
2: away from? Yeah. So to skip are essentially chemical filters, um, which unfortunately, there's a very long list of them. So I always say it's actually easier to look at the label and just look for zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Okay. And if you see anything else as an active ingredient, chances are it's a chemical filter. But mm. some examples include avobenzone, octisalate, homosalate. Um, and so in general, though, it's a lot easier to make sure it's a pure mineral by just looking to see if it's one, either zinc, or titanium, you're good. If you see any other words or letters, because a skip lot of it. them can sometimes exactly <laughs> just skip over it. Um, and it's important to look because some products will actually make, uh, will say they're mineral based, but they'll also have another chemical filter in it. Mm. And so those you'll still see that other name. So you want to really avoid that. Um, but as far as other things that are safe um, for people who are also concerned with like anti aging, Um, It is still safe to do like a vitamin C antioxidant, so a topical serum in the morning. Um, Antioxidants generally provide um, protection against free radical damage, so that is still something that's safe to use if you're already using. Typically, as far as what to skip when we think about Acne or anti-aging skincare. One of the big ones is retin A or retinols or retinoids. So you might have this in a prescription form or in an over-the-counter form, and all of them um, you want to avoid. And so this is important. Um, if you happen to get pregnant or find out you're pregnant and you were using it, you don't need to panic. But it is something that once you knowingly are trying to become pregnant or are pregnant you do want to stop using.
1: That actually, I remember when I was pregnant, that made me sad because I use that regularly and it really does a beautiful job on helping my skin. Can you explain? I mean, I totally put it aside and I'm not telling people to, to use it, but I'm wondering what is it about retinol that makes one's skin so beautiful?
2: Yeah, no, it really, it does. I always say it's um, it's just like the glow maker. It just really works well. And what it's doing is it's stimulating skin cell turnover. So it actually regulates the rate at which our skin cells turn over. And so for some people, if their skin cells are turning over too slowly, they get a buildup of almost what looks like dead skin, but that looks like dullness, um, of the skin. Sometimes you can have a buildup of like pigmentation. And so when you use a retinol, what you're doing is you're regulating that skin cell turnover. So you're always having essentially like a fresh new radiant skin on the surface, um, which gives people that really nice glow, um, and what's nice about it is, is it's also boosting collagen production. And mm. so what we know about collagen production is over time, we do lose collagen. And so that actually helps when you sort of support it um, to smooth out the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. So it's definitely our sort of gold standard anti-aging ingredient. And it's definitely one of the most missed ingredients when it comes to pregnancy. Yes. Um but there are some substitutes. So I do tell my patients that, um, another ingredient that can be used and is safe in pregnancy is something known as glycolic acid. Mm. Um, so glycolic acid is actually an alpha hydroxy acid, which basically means an ex- it's an exfoliating acid. So it's also getting rid of dead skin cells. So you're still going to get that brightening effect on the skin. Um, you'll get a nice glow. Importantly, though, you do want to use low concentrations of glycolic acid um, in the setting of pregnancy. So while you may see things available um, at like 20% or 30%, you really want to steer clear of that. But usually like 10% or less um, tends to be considered a safe percentage in the setting of pregnancy. Um, And that's a nice sort of substitute to get some anti-aging benefits Different from a retinol, glycolic acid really shouldn't be used every night. Mm -hmm. It should just be used like once or twice a week because it really does kind of get that dead skin off the surface, but it also can potentially be irritating if used too often.
1: Would a, would a scrub do the same thing, but I guess it doesn't get the collagen, uh, Building or what? Yeah, yeah. So, so scrubs
2: definitely can be an effective way to exfoliate because they're helping to kind of buff away that that dead skin. Um, and generally speaking, most of the ingredients used in scrubs should be okay because they're more like these little micro particles. Mm-hmm. Um, some scrubs, however, can actually be irritating on the skin, and so um, as dermatologists, we're always very cautious about. Injuring or disrupting the skin barrier. Mm-hmm. So when you use a scrub, if it's made out of like these like chunks of like walnut extract or whatnot, and even, and I mean sometimes the more we feel it, the better it feels, but actually the more we feel it, the probably the worse it is for our skin. Mm. So kind of more, not pregnancy aside, I just think it's important to know that whatever you're using is still gentle on the skin.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Can I jump into the collagen? That I've been fascinated by that for a while. So I know that collagen, we start to decrease, is it around 35? When does collagen start to slow down production? So yeah, sadly, it's actually in our twenties and it's
2: actually, like, I know it's crazy. <laughs> I know it's like very sad. I mean, the good news is, is that it starts happening sort of at a molecular level in our twenties. Like even at 20, it's thought that we lose 1% of collagen each year after you turn 20.
1: After 20. Um, oh my gosh. That is in the thirties. Okay. Clearly I'm wrong. I know, But but, but,
2: but what we, what we are sort of fortunate is that we don't see it until our 30s. So in our <laughs> 20s, we're sort of like living the dream and don't even realize it's happening. And then that's really why some people kind of like wake up in their 30s and they're like, wait a second. I never even had these lines. Like, where did these come from? And it's the process has been happening. And that's why as much as possible, I mean, if there's one take home, um, from all of this, it's obviously, Stay safe as far as skincare and what you're doing during pregnancy, but certainly once you're either postpartum and things, certain things become safe, or even once you're post-postpartum and you're either no longer breastfeeding or things of that nature, definitely staying on top of your skincare routine can really uh, do great things long-term.
1: So I know there's a lot of collagen supplements and I've been taking one for a while. Is that actually doing anything for my skin? Cause I, I had a conversation with a physical therapist recently and she's like, it doesn't really help anything. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So it's a great question and definitely a hot topic. Um, so I would say as far as collagen supplements, um, the theoretical value is definitely there. So we know that collagen is good for us and we know that it supports many different things in our body, not just our skin. Um, but what becomes challenging with supplements is that we don't know how much of what we actually ingest goes through our sort of digestive system, gets absorbed by our bloodstream, and then gets to the skin mm-hmm. and then has an impact on our skin. So what we know is that generally they're considered safe. Um, what we don't know is actually how effective they are. So there are some studies that have more recently shown that um, hydrolyzed collagen, which are basically like the little peptides, so sort of collagen already being broken down, um, may actually get absorbed by the bloodstream and potentially have an impact improving elasticity or hydration of the skin. Um, but because we don't have enough evidence to support the benefits yet, um, and because we know that they can be expensive for people, um, we're not yet recommending it across the board. Now, in my practice, if somebody comes in or if somebody like you is using them, I'm not going to discourage the use if you like it if you're seeing benefits. Um, Because again, the risk is very little. It's just essentially to your pocketbook in terms of just the cost of of maintaining it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I do think we'll probably learn more information in these coming years. I think there's a lot of um, research money being put towards it. Um, right now, most of those studies are being done by the companies themselves. So there's always some degree of inherent bias. So we're sort of waiting till we get these large studies to really understand it on a wider scale.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So let's come back to some of the products because I know some products claim to be, I'm going to put this in quotes, like all natural. Is there anything in those all natural that one should avoid? Because I can imagine if you're pregnant, you're being super mindful about what you put in your body. and then you see all natural, you may feel at ease. So what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I do think that sometimes this type of marketing can be very deceiving. Um, And the reason is, is that when it comes to things that are all natural, uh, there isn't as much regulation behind it. And so what that means is that we don't actually know if these ingredients have been studied in the setting of pregnancy or not. So the decisions and the reasons we say to avoid certain things are on the basis of the fact that there have either been studies or because we only have limited studies, um, that's how we're coming to that conclusion. But most all natural products don't go through the same sort of rigorous testing. So we don't have a lot of the information. And so for that reason alone, I always say even all natural products, you should discuss with your your doctor, whether it's your OBGYN, a dermatologist, a primary care doctor to just make sure. Now, that being said, the other sort of challenge with all natural products is that even though they're all natural, sometimes they can be irritating to the skin. So mm. my classic example is poison ivy, which obviously we're not knowingly rubbing poison ivy on our skin, but, but as an entity, it's something that it is natural. known to cause, exactly, <laughs> is known to cause an allergic reaction and is a natural substance. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that all natural will prevent you from developing any kind of irritation. So, um, there is an, an ingredient that I'll caveat by saying we don't necessarily have enough evidence, but it's thought to be a, almost like a retinol alternative. And mm. it is a natural ingredient known as bakuchiol, um, which I'll spell, but it's B-A-K-U-C-H-I-O-L. So bakuchiol, um, just because it doesn't necessarily sound how it's spelled. Um, and so with that, I would say there are some studies to show that, again, it mimics a retinol benefit, so you may still get some of that skin cell turnover. Uh, that being said, even though it thought to be safe in pregnancy, we don't have all the studies. So that would be something to take on a case-by-case basis with your doctor.
1: Mm, I had never even heard of that. I'm going to have to have you respell it to me later so I can put that in our show yeah. notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. We're going to talk about, it was interesting, I did some research and one thing I found was that during pregnancy, there seems to be some acne and unwanted hair growth and other skin problems. So we're going to take a super quick break and we come back, let's talk about some of the unwanted skin problems that arise during pregnancy. Okay, so a lot of people do get that pregnant glow, but sometimes I'm assuming it's because of hormones because there's such a huge influx. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just making that assumption, but things can start to really change. Acne, as I mentioned, unwanted hair growth, other skin problems. What's happening and what can be done during that time, especially with the pregnancy acne?
2: Yeah, so absolutely. And I actually think that it's so important to raise awareness about this because people feel so discouraged. They're like, wait, why don't I have the glow that everyone has? And the reality is um, not everyone gets the glow. And and in fact, probably majority of people don't. And so it's okay. And so if you are dealing with these skin changes, whether you had acne prior to pregnancy and it's getting worse or you've actually never had acne before and it's all of a sudden you're developing it, um, you were exactly right in acknowledging that it's related to the hormonal changes. And because of the relationship to hormonal changes, sometimes people may even find it varies per uh, trimester. So maybe in the first trimester, based on the levels of certain hormones, it's worse. And then in the second trimester, it just kind of clears up and then they go through sort of these fluctuations. Um, and it is. It's Basically, the hormones kind of can contribute to increased oil production, which can lead to clogged pores and as a result, lead to um, increased breakouts. Uh, the other challenge is that, of course, in acne, we're somewhat limited in what we can use. So somebody whose acne may have been very well controlled prior to pregnancy, we've now told them they can't use their retinoid. Um, Two other ingredients, benzoyl peroxide and salicylic acid, are often um, recommended to avoid, especially at higher strengths. And so for that reason, all these key ingredients that we rely on, we, we don't have anymore. And so people can experience changes related to that. Um, as far as other changes, I initially briefly touched on it, but discoloration, so mm-hmm. hyperpigmentation, so that can occur in the form of melasma, which is like discoloration on the face, forehead, cheeks, um, or, I mean, what people know of as the what's called linea nigra, so the line in the belly area that can develop as you sort of develop on in your pregnancy, and a lot of that is also related to hormones. So, um, at the end of the day, it's all related to hormones. So, the good news <laughs> is, is it all tends to go away once the hormones sort of um, level out. But the the more challenging thing is sometimes um, where we kind of have to have to ride it out. Um, That being said, there are some treatments, certainly for acne, that are considered safe in the setting of pregnancy. Um, And so I can mention a few of those key ingredients. And then similarly for hyperpigmentation as well. Um, So yeah, so for acne, um, azelaic acid, which is available in a prescription or in some over-the-counter formulations, is safe. And it's a great option because it not only helps prevent breakouts, but it's also great for just evening out the skin tone. So I call it like my my multitasker in pregnancy because it's good anti-aging, good for acne, good for discoloration. Um, and it's what I used in my pregnancies. And so I'm definitely a fan of that. Um, the glycolic acid that we mentioned earlier is also safe in the setting of uh, pregnancy at low concentrations. And that's another ingredient that can help both with discoloration as well as um, helping to sort of eliminate some of the breakouts as well.
1: This is so important because we all want to feel our best and putting our face forward is really going to help. So thank you for demystifying some of this. Now I know that Botox and different fillers is quite popular. So I'm assuming in my notes I know it's a have yay or nay. I'm assuming it's a nay, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, so it is a nay. Um and most of that is again just related to the fact that we've never actually tested it or studied it. And we're generally um, in the, of the philosophy to avoid things that are elective um, just because you never know. And so because it hasn't been studied and we don't necessarily know if there are any um, negative implications in the context of pregnancy, we, we just avoid it. That being said, there have been studies of people who have either um, had Botox or fillers, um, didn't realize they were pregnant and then became pregnant and there haven't been any issues. And typically when we use Botox for cosmetic purposes, we're using a relatively low amount compared to when it's used for like migraines or other medical conditions. Um, so for, and in some of those other conditions where maybe the use in pregnancy has been looked at a little bit more, mm-hmm. there weren't any sort of negative effects. So, my sort of parting line is don 't do it if you ha- in pregnancy, um, if you happen to have it done don 't panic if you didn 't realize and you find out you 're pregnant um, we don 't expect there to be any major concerns or issues um, with fillers. I would say fillers are generally made up of something known as hyaluronic acid, which is actually a natural sugar molecule that lives in our own body, so other than the fact that doing the procedure may result in maybe increased bruising in the setting of pregnancy. Um, we don't necessarily, again, worry about the safety of it um, as causing any negative implications, but uh, we tend to avoid it. And with fillers, I always say, especially, I mean, when you're pregnant, your body's changing so much. So if you put filler in while you're pregnant, uh, you may actually not need that volume. You may actually get the natural volume boost while you're pregnant. Um,
1: Oh, that makes sense. Cause the blood volume in your body is increased about 40 to 60%. So those blood vessels are already a little more dilated. Is that the reason? And so
2: that's why you could be at an increased risk of bruising. Exactly. And then as far as just filling. So oftentimes we use filler to fill in areas of volume loss. And sometimes people find during pregnancy that the areas of volume loss actually plump up a bit. Mm. And even some people will notice some like natural, like swelling of their lips that happen. And they're like, oh, wait, did I do lip filler? <laughs> and they'll just sort of see like their lips getting a little bigger. And so some people actually like it. There, Those will be certain perks of pregnancy that people will find and they'll be like, oh, my cheeks look great. And so I usually say since your body is so dynamic in pregnancy, um, particularly when it comes to filler, I mean, again, I don't do it anyway, but even if there were the option, I think it's best to wait until, um, you're sort of done. You're not no longer pregnant to, to do that.
1: That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. I want to move on to, I feel like a very hot topic, stretch marks. So I have a friend that's a dermatologist and I asked her when I was pregnant, I'm like, what should I use? Cause I was slathering. Everything. I had cocoa butter. I was gifted from some companies some stretch mark cream and I was religious about it. And then at 35 weeks, I remember my belly felt kind of itchy and just uncomfortable. And then the next morning I woke up, I had this like circle of stretch arcs around my belly button. And even though I used everything and she told me it's hereditary, she's like, no matter what you use, it may not soft, it may not solve the problem. Is that all true? It, it's. It is unfortunately, in the sense <laughs> that
2: there there is some hope, but um, but a big part of it is genetic, and so um, I do think that it's important to for anybody out there to to give yourself a little bit of slack and knowing that there's only so much you can be thinking about during pregnancy, and there's so much out there, and. Um, yeah. And sometimes stretch marks do happen and uh, they obviously, they have <laughs> exactly. And there are things that we can do for them. Um, that being said, um, I, I mean, as somebody who used cocoa butter myself during pregnancy, knowing that there's not a lot of evidence behind it, uh, there's something to be said about using stuff and, and sort of it making you feel good. It. And so, yeah. And so I do think, so there is some, well, for many of the ingredients that are commonly, um, available, uh, we don't necessarily have great evidence. Um, some products or ingredients, I should say, that have some evidence in preventing stretch marks are ingredients such as hyaluronic acid, which actually I mentioned is, uh, what we inject filler with, but it's also commonly found in, moisturizing products. So really any moisturizer is probably going to do the trick in the sense that just by um, hydrating the skin, you're going to get some benefit there. Uh, Another ingredient that does have some evidence in it is something known as Centella Asiatica, um, which again, I can give you the spelling later, but uh, Centella Asiatica is also found in some creams that you might be able to see it find at the drugstore. There is a Um, specific company that makes a product with it called Tropholastin, T-R-O-F-O-L-A-S-T-I-N. And so those are the two ingredients that are sort of supported by the American Academy of Dermatology at having some evidence to um, prevent stretch marks. Now, again, if you use them and you still get stretch marks, it doesn't mean you've been doing anything wrong. And if you Use them, and you don't get stretch marks. It doesn't necessarily mean it was only because of the the creams. Um, and then postpartum, if you have the stretch marks, there are ways and things that we can do for them. Again, many fade on their own. So, um, so oftentimes people will come in, sort of a few weeks after birth and say, I have these stretch marks. And then we'll sort of talk about some other things. They'll come back a few months later and then everything will be gone. And they're like, oh, I didn't even get a chance to do anything. So um, so I think it's important to remember that sometimes they fade. There are prescription retinoids can actually be helpful to, to speed up the resolution of stretch marks. So that would be something that if you're not breastfeeding um, is an option for you. Immediately after pregnancy, um, but certainly down the line, um, if you do breastfeed, you can use that again. And then we have lots of lasers. So lasers and devices like microneedling help to stimulate new collagen and that can be helpful for stretch marks as well. And there are also lasers that help with the color. So some people get like the red stretch marks um, and we have lasers to help with the color there. So stretch marks. Use creams if you want to. Key ingredients to look for are hyaluronic acid and centella asiatica. Treatments for after pregnancy exist. And generally speaking, if you are interested in treatment, I always say it's worth starting early. So obviously you're very busy postpartum, so don't make it a priority, but some dermatologists are offering virtual visits. So even just to kind of have the conversation, the sooner you start the treatment, typically the better the result.
1: That is helpful. Thank you for that. I do have a question asked about vitamin E. Does that mm-hmm. help? Because I thought that helps skin heal, but I again, I could be totally wrong.
2: Yeah. So unfortunately, that sort of falls into the same category as like the cocoa butter, where we just don't have the evidence to show that it does. Um, to be honest, it probably doesn't hurt, but we really um, don't have enough evidence. Again, I do believe though in pregnancy, there is also the component of like a you do you. And I think as long as it's not harmful to use, um, and it feels good. And again, some of these products do, and as long as it's not, uh, creating, a a significant unnecessary expense, if there's a product that you happen to like that has it in it and it's been working well, don't feel discouraged or that you have to stop it.
1: All right. Thank you. I'm getting such great information from this. All right. So let's now skip to postpartum. You gave a wonderful list of things that people should avoid while pregnant. If someone is breastfeeding, is it pretty much the same list? It is. And a lot of that is
2: just based on the fact that, um, again, most of the things that haven't necessarily been studied. So we wouldn't knowingly uh, do all these things um, in the context of breastfeeding. So I generally say things still remain off-limits um, that are off-limits in pregnancy.
1: All right. So if someone is missing their retinol, they're going to have to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> they are.
2: And again, it, it is a little struggle, but there are um, other things you can do even in the in office setting to, to get that sort of Postpartum glow, because I think that's especially when when everyone's sort of feeling feeling those changes and and really likes that pick me up.
1: I'd also assume that if someone chooses to nurse their child, they're hydrating a lot because of the the fluid that we're losing in our bodies. You know, we need to keep ourselves hydrated. Is that does that play a role in in one's skin appearance? So, yeah. So that
2: is definitely a million dollar question because we all want to believe that if we drink like eight glasses of water, our skin's going to look perfect. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, hydration of the body and hydration of the skin sometimes work a little differently. Uh, it's definitely going to help. It's not going to hurt. Um, but again, the impact of what's happening in the body, we don't necessarily know. So some people can drink A great amount, but still feel like they have dry skin. And a lot of that's because the moisture content of our skin also relies on the fact that moisture in our skin can be lost through the skin barrier. Um, So if you have a skin barrier, which again, is just that sort of outer layer of your skin that's either weak and you're susceptible to skin conditions or eczema or things like that, or you just are in a period where um, your skin has evolved and sometimes in the setting of pregnancy and breastfeeding, our skin just does, it loses a lot of that extra moisture. Um, you can still experience dryness of the skin without, with still having drink a lot of water. So, so I think it's one of those things that's kind of like an old wives tale. Um, definitely drink water because it's important for many different things, but as far as the impact directly on the skin. Now, if it's an extreme and you, you're, you haven't drank for, for days, certainly we can see the skin have that sort of um, dull dullness to it that can relate from dehydration.
1: Okay, you burst my bubble on a few things, but I'm glad that. <laughs> I'm so <sorry. laughs> no, this is no. Don't be sorry. I'm. <laughs> I'm really. I like to have real data information. And I feel like when it comes to skincare, and I'm probably not alone things get passed to us. And again, I don't even know where I've heard that from about, you know, um, the cocoa butter and, the, you know, and hydration and collagen. I feel like I, I hear it from people. I probably read it in magazines and then I stick to it. And so I'm glad that you're giving me the actual facts because I think that and can I, then help people.
2: Yeah, no, it is. But I also, I always, um, want this to come across in my practice, whether I'm doing even like media interviews or social media. I think it's so important that skincare is such a personalized um, decision. And while we have this information out there and my job is to empower people so they can make the right decisions in what they do, I still maintain a firm belief that if what you're doing is working and it's not harming you, go for it because so much of this is sort of feeling in control. And especially in pregnancy, when there's so many things that are out of our control, Um, if you feel comfortable using the cocoa butter, go for it.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's about you're right, how it feels. Like I just started using this new body oil and it feels like I feel luxurious when I use it and it feels so special and it yeah. smells so good. And yet I know it's probably not doing a huge amount for my skin, but it does a lot for me mentally. And so I feel like, well, that's that's a benefit. You know, I, I kinda glow from it, my skin feels great, but it's really what happens mentally as I'm putting it on. So I think I totally agree with you. If it's making you feel good go with it. Okay. We're going to take one more quick break and we come back. What is one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? And it can be with your either your parent hat on or your dermatologist hat on or whatever you want to share. We'll be right back Okay, we are back. What would you like to offer people?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think it crosses both territories. So my work as a dermatologist and my work as a parent, um, but it really is don't sweat the small stuff. And I think that that can be taken very literally. Um, I think it's important to remember that you are producing another human. And if you accidentally use one cream one night that you weren't supposed to in pregnancy, Chances are it will still be okay, uh, similarly, if you happen to get a pimple or a breakout while pregnant and it's obviously can be very discouraging and frustrating it 's also okay, and obviously there are resources to help kind of get through these these little things that come up in in during the time but it 's important for you to take that time to remember just just don 't sweat the small stuff, um, think about the amazing things that your body is doing, and then as you transition into having a little baby around, remember the importance of a still not sweating the small stuff and that your primary job as a parent and caretaker is so substantial that if there's one night where the feeding doesn't go as well, that all things considered, you are doing amazing things. And just remember that each day there are positives that are going to come out of it.
1: Mm, I like that. I like your positive attitude. Where can people find your work? Yeah, so
2: I work at a practice MDCS, which is Medical Dermatology and Cosmetic Surgery Centers uh, located in Midtown Manhattan and on the Upper East Side. And I'm also on social media. So you can see me on Instagram or TikTok um, at Dr. Marissa Garshik. And uh, yeah, and so I would love if anybody has any follow-up questions, certainly you can pass them along to Deb or um, if there's anything I can ever help with, I'm more than happy to and I'm always available.
1: Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this. You can tell I love skincare. I have quite the routine. My husband laughs at me with like, you open the cabinet and there's so much, but I think it's fascinating and I think it can make someone feel good. And so thank you for demystifying some of the skincare around pregnancy and postpartum. Thank you so much.